Welcome to episode 129 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Like I mentioned last week, Fringe season is upon us, and the Toronto Fringe program is out there. Have you picked one up yet? I haven't yet, but I'm going to be grabbing one this week. One of my favorite things to do before Fringe is to go through the program and take a look at the shows that are coming up and see who's in, who who I know who's performing, who I didn't know was in a Fringe show. I'm in a Fringe show. If you were that listened last week, you will have heard about the show that I'm doing uh, with uh, 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 at the Maddie Eckler. Uh, community center and that's uh, called a final exam um, so yeah one of my favorite things to do is to go through and see who's in and I try to make a schedule so I can see as many shows as possible how many shows are you going to be seeing this year I don't know how many I can manage but I always try to see as many as I can you know in the coming weeks I'm going to be talking to a lot of amazing fringe artists so make sure that you don't miss any uh, one way to make sure that you don't miss an episode of straight of stage really is to subscribe to the podcast subscribing is easy so all you have to do is go to apple Podcasts or google music and search for stage worthy and click on the little subscribe button and if you like the podcast i would love it if you'd leave a comment or rating because those things help new people find the show if you want to drop me a line, I would love to hear from you. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. This week, my guest is Michael Ross Albert, who returns for his second appearance on the podcast. Michael has two plays being presented at the 2018 edition of the Toronto Fringe Festival. They are Anywhere and The Grass is Greenest at the Houston Astrodome. And we talked about both of them on this episode. But how you been? Uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, uh, been a good year so far. I quit my job in December. Did you? I did. That's awesome. How does that feel? Like, did you quit to, to, to concentrate on the art or? Um, well, I took a, a teaching position mm-hmm. at the University of Waterloo. Okay. So, um, and my job was in the process of moving their headquarters to Ottawa. So I knew I was going to stay here long term, mm-hmm. uh, and this teaching opportunity was around. Right. Uh, so I went and I like a taught a university course for the first time. Well, shit. Yeah. What are you teaching at university? It was um, uh, like a sort of new play development okay. course where um, the the students put on a, a one act festival mm-hmm. of new student written and directed yeah. and performed works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came in. Um, to do workshops with the writing students, uh, developing the pieces that were going to be in the in the festival, mm-hmm. and then in the winter semester, uh, taught like a dedicated playwriting course, and huh. then did the um, like a workshop process about how directors and actors and designers work together on a new 
wow. student-written piece. That's great. Yeah. Well, because that's one of the pieces that I think is, like, generally, our theater schools have not historically done a great job of preparing people for producing their own work. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that's the impetus behind it, really, yeah. was that, like, you typically leave, uh, you know, an undergraduate setting and invariably find yourself... Mm-hmm trying to put on a show with your friends and you know it's a very sensitive relationship to start navigating Mm -hmm. especially when you're young and figuring out your own artistic voice figuring out collaboration can be just as tough so this you know is kind of like in addition to graduating Mm -hmm. and being able to audition for a shakespeare play you have you know the beginnings of the skill set the at least core foundation yeah. to work together to produce a show which has become one of the most like a really important aspect of um like having a career at least in this city like yeah being no, able to even if it's just even if it's fringe like doing your own stuff and across all uh, like performance media mm. you know people are making web series yeah. or um like their own short films <clears throat> yeah uh it, because you need you need to i mean one stay active artistically and, yeah. and sort of feed that monkey and um also to you know make a name for yourself yeah and, and to say hi i'm here and this is what i can do yeah the advantage is that now the technology is such that it's a lot easier to make your own web series yeah or something like that theater still has its own like it's not much easier to do theater uh you still need well, to rent space and things like that yeah there's there there's certain overhead just like <coughs> with you know making a professional looking web series yeah, yeah, you yeah. need the right equipment sure theater's got those inherent expenses yeah. to go with it, but I guess it's like finding <laughs> ways to make do with what's available, which is what we are always doing. Yeah. Um. So how was like teaching for the first time? Was that was that weird or? Um. It was a bit. It was a bit strange. Yeah. Um. One of the, <laughs> one of the students in my class who, uh, is a professional actor who. Mm-hmm has been at Stratford for 15 years and um, was doing his BA and was in my class and we have like mutual friends and he's a bit older than yeah. I am. So uh, every now and then I would, you know, like shoot a look across mm. the room of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't think the other students, I hope they weren't <laughs> in on that joke. Um, it was a really positive experience. Good. It was... Um, uh, I, you know, I, I was in the process of like working on some new stuff myself, yeah. uh, and I could hear advice come out of my mouth directed at people who were, uh, in their own process mm-hmm. that I realized I need to kind of intuit and, and take on <clears throat> myself. That's a really um, interesting place to spot to be in, to be giving advice and sort of realize, oh yeah, yeah, I have to remember yeah. that. That's yeah. something I should do myself. <laughs> and, you know, eventually, um, I had one student who would, like, always turn it around mm-hmm. on me. We'd kind of say, like, I would talk about how I'm procrastinating and not really, I was, uh, like, unhappy with the amount of work mm-hmm. I was getting done. And she said, you know, early on in the semester, you said procrastination is very healthy. And I was like, <laughs> I did say that. You're correct. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, student, for giving me that permission. Yeah. Uh, so it was great. It was really like um, uh, refreshing mm-hmm. um, and being around 
being around people at an early stage in their process, figuring yeah. it out and making hmm. really bold choices uh, is inspiring. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So how did you end up with like, I mean, one of the plays that's in the fringe is like, that's one of your published plays. Yeah. <clears throat> the other one is, is new. Yeah. So like, uh, how does, how did it end up that you have two shows in the fringe? Uh, well, so, uh, Cass Van Wick, mm-hmm. uh, who is a great actress and a friend, uh, got a spot in the festival. Mm-hmm. She applied to the lottery, uh, and didn't really have a project in mind. And she reached out to me pretty early and said, uh, you know, I have this spot. Do you have anything that I would be a good fit mm-hmm. for? Um, and I, you know, didn't really have anything kicking around that uh, what I thought would be satisfying for mm. an actress that's leading the production. <laughs> Um, so I thought, eh, I'll just, you know, I'll write something for you. <laughs> um, and I've had an idea for a two-hander for mm-hmm. these two women kicking around for a little while. And mm-hmm. this sounds like a really good excuse to, you know, to work on it. Um, this is, you know, I, I've had an idea for the story. Mm. Um, do you have any specifications or anything that you're looking for? And she said... No, just, you know, just, uh, write a play. <laughs> <laughs> Which is almost, like, not the help you're looking for at a certain point. Well, it, it, was, it was really great because um, it was very freeing uh, for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew, with, I knew that I had had this idea kind of percolating mm-hmm. and I could um, kind of tailor the role to cast and think of who else, you know, other actresses that I have always wanted to work with and kind of tailor a role to uh, one of them. Luckily, uh, Courtney Sung Lancaster, who's (laughs) one of my favorites Mm -hmm. in the city, uh, said yes. Nice. uh, She'll be playing the other role. So, yeah, I kind of, like, wrote it with with actresses of these calibers in mind. And um, uh, I wrote it pretty quickly and Mm -hmm. then sort of sat down with some folks who uh, mostly work at the Assembly Theater and mm-hmm. uh, uh, people seemed to kind of take to it. And Dave LaFontaine was there and uh, he had just directed my play Miss uh, in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of you know, asked if he would be interested in directing it and he mm-hmm. said yes right away. And that was the rest mm-hmm. kind of took care of itself. Nice. So it's brand new and it's... Um, uh, it, it's something that I'm going to be working on during the rehearsal process, which begins later on this evening. Oh, this this very oh, yeah. Right. We had a sort of informal first read through mm-hmm. last week, and yeah. tonight is the first like nice. go to rehearsal. And that's anywhere. Is that's called yeah? That's play is called anywhere. Okay. Um, do you know what venue that one's in? It's in the Factory Studio Theater. Oh shit! Okay, that's nice. Yeah, it's a good space. It's a good space, and it's um, it's it's kind of a. You know, a, a, a claustrophobic uh, thriller almost mm. that takes place in real time. And I really, I think the studio was our first choice. Right. There's something about the way it's laid out and the audience mm-hmm. um, uh, what's of configuration yeah. that makes it uh, possible to have that yeah. that experience. I love those, those, those smaller spaces. There's something kind of... To me, that's like, oh, we're going to put you in the main space at the factory, which is always like, shit, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I did a I had a next stage show that was in the main space mm-hmm. and it was um it's a very intimidating house to yeah. fill. Uh and like it's it, if you have a small cast mm-hmm. um and are working within the like storage limitations of a fringe setting, filling yeah. the main space mm-hmm. visually even is um it's so wide and yeah. so deep that it's like it's kind of a um, it, it can be a really intimidating yeah. production. I always think about the fact that there's a balcony yeah. that almost never gets filled. Like I've been at like maybe two shows that filled that put people on the balcony in my fringe yeah. history. So it's like you have this, but then you've got all of that way up there, which is kind of an intimidating thing in that space. Yeah, certainly is. So the studio space is like a gift. Yeah, it's it's great, and it, it sort of feels. Um, uh, I, so one of I, one of the first uh, plays I saw like downtown mm-hmm. in in Toronto was the original production of Beaver by Claudia Day oh, at the Factory Studio when I was like twelve or thirteen, mm-hmm. and it it's one of those experiences that kind of blew my mind. Like people yeah. were smoking and swearing and drinking on stage, and mm-hmm. to me. The factory studio has a little bit of that like naughtiness, yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's a really good vibe for the piece, and we yeah. have um, an eleven fifteen performance on Friday the thirteenth. No, yeah. that's like I know, kind of awesome actually. Now I, that I think about it. It's I like... think it's uh, the perfect time to see this particular <laughs> play. Um, I've always loved the factory for the there. It's like beer tent. 2.0 yeah at the fringe like it's, it's you uh, hang out there there's a little bit of shade yes <laughs> which is a blessing at times and yeah. it's a great spot to like just sort of hang out you know i've seen people just sort of like they don't even know what they're seeing they just sort of like oh fringe is on i'll just go down to the factory right it's uh it is a really great location yeah especially especially now that the the central oh sure has moved to scadding yeah it's uh yeah of course, there's also the fact that, like, if you're at, um, if you're at Theater Pass Mariah, then it's just sort of like a, a short, a couple of steps, and you're at the, at the, uh, the beer tent now. Yeah, so, that's yeah. true. But, it's very close. Yeah, but it's uh, still like so so walkable that like you could literally go and flyer at the beer tent and have people meet you there and like, yeah, fifty minutes for your show if you really needed to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> So and the other show, the other show, the other show uh, is is grass is greenest. Yeah, and the the full title is the grass is greenest at the Houston Astrodome. Oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. No, it's, it's I know. shortened here. It's a it's a long one. Um, and but that one is one is a published place. So you weren't. How did that come about? Uh, so uh, it's being produced by Lauren McKinley, mm-hmm. uh, who I know through her husband, Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a movement coach at Stratford, and we went to school together. Uh, so I've known, I've known them as a couple for a few years. Mm-hmm. And Lauren um, uh, approached me, uh, I guess, last year about maybe... Doing the piece uh, somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, maybe at the Edinburgh Fringe or, or something like mm-hmm. that. But it's a role that she she uses for audition monologues and stuff, nice. and that was very flattering. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. take it away." Um, and I, there was a, 
a notification from Fringe that there were still site-specific spaces available. Mm. And Lauren thinking, you know, doing a five-person show <coughs> overseas is, mm. uh, is a financial nightmare. Yes, yeah. Stuff like that. So, but what if... What if we were to do it as a site-specific production? Mm. Uh, the play's set in an art gallery. Mm. Um, and she, like, you know, within... I feel like she had, like, a couple of days, something like 48 hours, to fill out the application. Mm-hmm. And um, within this very short period of time, had found uh, a space and uh, was, you know, starting to envision how the production could mm. unfold. Um, and just really went with it and spearheaded it. Now, is, is that in one of the core spaces or one of the... Because the, I have uh, this year some spaces that are outside oh. of the fringe core. Yeah, it's at Queen and Dover Court. So I don't know how that... Uh, maybe on Dover Court, outside, just south of Queen. Maybe in... I don't, it's hard to know. I can never tell which is in and out. Because it depends on if they're using... Is the theater center one of their venues this year? Not this year, I don't <laughs> then think. Then it's probably out. Yeah. Which um, is a unique challenge. It's a little it, it's having the theater center there would have been yeah. would have been great because it's it's also sort of like a like a like a two a tent two point. Sure, because you've got you've got like the cafe there and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. A really good like hub, meeting yeah. hub. Um but it's um it's it's a small venue that's yeah. off the beaten track. Uh, hopefully I, th- I think the aim is to have like 40 seats. Hmm. Um, and we're hopeful that everyone will just, yeah. you know, make the, the nice thing about it is that, um, with site specific shows, it has sort of a, like a more traditional, uh, time frame. Sure. You can set your schedule. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be every night of the festival at yeah. eight, which is uh, a little easy. It's a little easier to get people out to than to have that. Yeah, the, t- yeah. the uh, noon performances. Eleven yeah. fifteen. Now you when you're for for anywhere the eleven the eleven mm-hmm. fifteen. That eleven fifteen. That's eleven fifteen in the morning. Eleven fifteen at night. At night. So that's not so bad on a Friday. What you don't yeah. want is to be like eleven fifteen on a Tuesday or yeah. a Monday. That's like that's a bit much. But you know, some of the best experiences I've had fringing have been at that like eleven thirty show in the Pasmari backspace, mm. like huddling next to the air conditioner as close as oh, possible sure. and like really falling in love with a piece of, mm-hmm. of um random late night theater well i mean I, something i really do love the, the late night theater way. it's like it's like you look around at, at your audience people maybe not on the friday night but like earlier in the week if you're at a late show and you're sort of looking around at people and you're sort of like you guys yeah you've been doing this all day you guys <laughs> this is like your capper for the a day of fringe mm-hmm. You know, which is sort of always fun to see. Who are these people? Oh man, they're they're God's gift. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, this is is this is this your your this is not your first range in Toronto. Uh, no, um, this is my first time producing. Okay, uh, in Fringe in mm. Toronto, um, I'm producing anywhere mm. along with Cass. Um, but I had a show uh, a few years back. Um, a play of mine called Karenin's Anna that okay. Caitlin Robson hmm. uh, produced and nice. acted in. Nice. Uh, and that was a little while ago. Hmm. Now, is that, have you been trying to get in the fringe? Because we all know the lottery is a bit of a... Yeah. Um, you know, I I did for, for about a decade, I think. <laughs> um, 
and I never got in. Um, so I have uh, recently stopped mm. applying. Um, I also, I, I don't, um, uh, like, like I'm a planner, yeah. and if I don't really have something that I can envision, I, I get a little anxious about the application process, sure. even though it's like, you know, j- just a, really just a fee. Yeah. Really just uh, the be giving money to the festival. I get, like, I, every time I'm applying for the Fringe, I have a project. Yeah. I'm not one of the, like, I'm not one of those people, you know, you run into those people all the time who are like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but if I get in, I'll make something. Uh-huh. And I'm always like, I have a project in mind. So for me, whenever the Fringe Lottery is on, I'm like, I got skin in the game. Yeah. And so it's like this really stressful night and they're like calling the number on one side of mine or the other oh, side of mine. It's like yeah, it must that be whole so like, frustrating. And then, uh, you know, and if, and if you don't get in, you're like, well, no, and... You know, maybe yeah. the idea. Maybe I have to stop doing that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to what to really make of it. Because uh, I like I love fringing. Oh, yeah. and I, um When I if I don't have something on mm. in the summer, it's yeah. it's kind of uh, um, it, it's a bit sad. I've done mm. I've done like a fringe production. Uh, you know, most years since like yeah. 2011. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's 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 really great. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, here. no. Um, mm. but yeah, I I I know that feeling, and the and the lottery, the the lottery is like, I I definitely have kind of a love hate relationship. Oh sure, with I think we all do. People do because I I um, like I know like for me it's. The democracy of fringe, yeah. like anybody could get in, mm-hmm. any but any show of any quality could get in. You don't know what it's going to be, which is exciting. Yeah, and it's uncurated. So unlike, and I always some festivals, I always feel like the like I'm seeing what somebody thinks is good or important theater, mm-hmm. and I might not agree. Yeah. Whereas with fringe, it's like it could be anything. Exactly. And you're it, it. It's such a wild experience. There, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that like that worries that if and if a, if a non theater goer uh, who sees a random show mm-hmm. in Fringe, you know, it's very well advertised and marketed, and they have fun at the tent, mm-hmm. and they're like, let's just see something random, and then they get a, a, a negative experience yeah. that the Fringe has lost that customer they've lost that potential audience member what i find is always interesting about theater though is that i've encountered people who are like oh i saw a play once and i didn't like it so yeah. I, don't, I don't go to plays but nobody ever says i watched a tv show once and i didn't like it so, so I i'm TV. done with television I'm done with television or with movies or anything you know i watched the sports once <laughs> and i didn't like it so you know yeah but theater is like this i saw one once and so i guess i don't get it yeah people, i mean there there is that dismissiveness and mm-hmm. i think that um, I I have a lot of a lot of close friends and relatives that do like don't do this ridiculous mm-hmm. thing, and they really enjoy the experience, but mm-hmm. need they need a little bit of uh, like handholding, yeah. not handholding, but just a, a more of an awareness mm-hmm. from someone whose ear is to the ground about what will be to their taste sure. or. Um, what sounds exciting or yeah. what's a different experience from what they're used to. Well, it's always different. Like, I mean, early on, like, who the hell knows? Like, that mm-hmm. first weekend, like, that's the pioneers right there. Yeah. Like, 
who are going from the time that Fringe opens until Mooney finishes posting all of the it's reviews such a madhouse. is like, like you are, like you. That's the risk. Like since nothing is out there, you're taking a guess on everything. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's an exciting time, mm. and for the people that that like you know when you buy into to that risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are those are the audience members that are going to keep coming back. Oh, and sure. Fringing forever. Yeah. It's uh, like if somebody just goes to one fringe show, they're not fringing. You know, it's like yes. You yeah. have to go and see a bunch, and you kind of have to like I don't know, like get a bunch of people together and like let's rally around like this new person, take them to all the shows. Yeah, I mean, I think I I think that the passes, you mm. know, a five pay play pass or something should be the um there's probably a way of like generating more sales of that to people to first time fringers oh shit because when you get when you get a healthy smattering of Mm -hmm. stuff uh you won't be so quick as to and there you know you can work through that over the course of a weekend and it's like you know, it's a fun activity sure. to do. And even but, if you, if you did it, if you did it over the course of the fringe, not even just like the course sure. of the weekend, like you're, you could see a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, and then you have more of a sense of uh, what this, what what great things this randomness can yeah. achieve. Have you done any fringes outside of Toronto? Yeah, for the most part, I uh, I I've done the New York fringe mm. um, a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, now, is that New York Fringe or is that the winter one? Which is... no, it's it's um, uh, frigid is frigid, the one that's yeah. on the calf yeah. circuit. This is just the fringe NYC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I, yeah, I, I, I studied playwriting in New York, mm-hmm. so most of the stuff I did was there. Right, because when we talked about Miss, Miss was sort of like something that you you did. Yeah, in New York. Yeah, that was a fringe show as well. So is um, the Grass is Greenest oh, okay. at the Houston nice. Astrodome was first produced mm-hmm. in Fringe. Okay. Um, and yeah, that was a great yeah uh, experience and. Uh, I've always wanted to see a, a second production mm. of it, so I'm very happy that someone's yeah. uh, doing this this small play from yeah. a few years ago. So you've done the New York Fringe. Any of the other fringes um, on the on the circuit? I I had a show at the Edinburgh Fringe last summer, mm. but I did not produce it. Okay, so I just, okay. So it was I was just on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, did you, you did you go? Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that's gonna be a trip I know some people who've gone and it's one of those like like I get if people are saying oh you should go to the take your show to the Ed- Edmonton Fringe I'm like Edmonton oh, <laughs> that one's big and then somebody's like oh take it to Edinburgh I'm like oh no I, no, too I, much yeah I think that if I were producing it uh, I would be very frightened mm. all the time um, but if you're just there as a as a as a theater lover mm. um I, I think it's kind of like what the afterlife must be like. It's just, you can drink beer all day mm-hmm. and see wonderful work from all around the world. Mm-hmm. And you're in fucking Scotland yes. with these mountains. Yeah. And um, it was, yeah, it was just sort of crazy. And the whole city turns into a giant party. Yeah. Um, I know people who, I've met people who are from Edinburgh and they're like, oh, I leave the city for a yeah, month. Yeah, I can imagine. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. The city is not designed for. <laughs> the, I think it triples in size. Right, uh, the must. population. It must. Yeah. Um, so there, if it were the afterlife, there would be better crowd control. Yes, there would definitely be yeah. better and wider streets and things yeah, like that. But definitely. How was how was uh, how was the show received in, in Edinburgh? Um, th- uh, there were a few audience members that mm. saw it. Um, <laughs> I think they uh, most of the feedback was positive, mm. but to be honest. Um, it was pretty poorly attended. It wasn't, uh, it's, it's very hard to distinguish oh, sure. oneself within the, the mess of people. Well, and there's it like was thousands of shows over a month. Yeah. Like, yeah. How do you get noticed? Uh, yeah. I think there was, there was one performance mm. where they did not sell tickets and kind of went on and, yeah. uh, just had, uh, like you know, did the archival footage yes, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, that was a very a sobering part mm. of it. Um, uh, but I, I think that it was um, it was a, it generally a positive experience mm. for uh, the artists involved, mm. um, and really just being there is a, yeah. is a great great time. Mm. Yeah, I love the. I've done done a fringe tour in within Canada, and it's there's like I don't know about the Edinburgh fringe, but the the that that brother and sisterhood that forms in the local fringe is just sort of magnified among the people who are like when you end up in another city, you're like I know you, yeah, you're a familiar face. Let's hang out, and like by the time you're at the end of your tour, it's like this is the family. Which yeah, is kind of awesome. That sounds great. I've always yeah. sort of thought about doing a a tour, but I it, I get it's easier with um with solo performance. Oh sure, or smaller yeah uh, teams, and I feel like I feel like my plays don't travel well. Well, I mean the the play that I was on tour with, we had like four actors, one piano player, and a stage manager, so it wasn't a small play, right? Um. And you have to do a lot of fundraising if yeah. you're doing that. How many cities did you go to? Uh, we did Montreal, uh, Winnipeg, uh, Calgary, Edmonton. It's a big chunk of time, yeah. too. And having all of the like the different administrative nuances of each festival. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. Is is you know actually Toronto Fringe is kind of the most difficult of the fringes in terms of their administrative nuances oh yeah and a lot of the other ones are a lot more whatever okay <laughs> you, like, you show up they're like you want to do what? whatever sure Just i don't, don't burn the place down yeah okay i like rules <laughs> yeah I, I play well within the within yeah. the lines um yeah making it as idiot proof as possible mm, is yeah. helpful for but i mean if you do if you, as a producer if you do the planning uh, yeah and you know, somebody on the cast is willing to take on the role of mm-hmm. of production manager because somebody's got to. You can you can things can go pretty smoothly because once you once you touch down mm-hmm. and you get your you check in or whatever you do, it's just like any other fringe. Although some of them are just a lot larger. Yeah. Um. So it can be quite a quite a thing. Um. It sounds like a great adventure. <laughs> it it sure it, yeah it is and I you know I think. Yes, solo shows lend themselves a lot to that because it's so easy to to travel those. Yeah. Like, you know, it's easy financially it's a lot easier. But there's something about 
arriving in a place with a cast of other people. Mm-hmm. It's like at least we're in this together. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like it's it's like going to war together. Yeah. It's not it's no it's nowhere near as difficult. No, it's not it's certainly not as difficult, but, uh, but you know. Uh, but yeah, the 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 bonds that form between everyone yeah. on a production just yeah. get strengthened by I would imagine yeah. by traveling. Around. And if you can manage to stay friends while you're driving through the prairies, <laughs> then more power to you. It's pretty awesome if you could do that. Yep, that I've I have heard horror stories. <laughs> actually, the most difficult drive was actually through you know towards uh thunder bay okay the stretch yeah. between wow. north bay and thunder bay was just like a never-ending at first you're like oh it's a sea of green and trees and then about three hours in you're like there i would like to, there's just trees there's just trees and you start to go a little loopy loopier than when it's flat really yeah yeah, I found Saskatchewan super easy compared to that. <laughs> oh wow! Um, I've never done any of those mm. like, big road trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, it sounds sounds wild. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, what we didn't mention the 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 grass is greener. The Houston Thunder uh, Thunderdome, not Thunderdome, Astrodome. 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 Thunderdome is something else entirely. Um, it's kind yeah. of like that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's um. Uh, sorry, what were you going to well, I was just going to add, like, the venue. We didn't actually talk about It's the called the Freedom Factory, which okay. is an art gallery hmm. and, I think, a yoga studio. Ooh, nice. Uh, yeah, that play takes place in an art gallery, a storefront art gallery that is... Uh, closing down mm. and um, uh, one of the artists uh, has destroyed the artwork oh, in my. the gallery and uh, there is a giant, a large confrontation between mm. these independent visual artists who uh, have different romantic entanglements mm. and all and insecurities and yeah. all of that fun stuff. Mm. So it's more of a, um, it's like it's it's a comedy for the most part. Um, uh, but yeah, there's more. More screaming and yelling sure. in that one, I think, than anywhere, which uh, is kind of a slow pot boiler of a mm. drama. It sounds like the grass is greener kind of belongs in a in a site specific. Like to be able to perform it in a, an actual art gallery is, is sounds pretty awesome. It's really cool. I I was just there last night. Mm. Uh, they started rehearsals a bit early, and we're doing a stumble through. And uh, seeing it in mm. a space, um, I mean, they don't have all the design elements sure. at the moment, but it really does feel like it is at home in nice. a site-specific setting. And, you know, there the actors are uh, exiting and entering angrily, and you can see them passing in front of the window. And mm. it's, uh, yeah, it feels like it's going to be a really cool experience. That is cool. That is cool. Do, do you find that the actors... Cause often in a site specific like your sight lines are different than they would be if it was in a theater and so you end up trying to navigate that normally i would stand like this but that feels weird yeah. in this space you know it looked it looked pretty spot on i'm not really in rehearsal mm. room for with this one but uh the director is uh a guy named robert modem who specializes in site specific okay. stuff nice and from where I was sitting yesterday, <laughs> um, it all it looked it looked pretty natural. Nice. But there is there is certainly like in the note session, you can see that there's special attention to those kinds of details. Yeah, um, that 
I, I don't think I have the visual mind for at all, but you can, you can sort of play around with, with status yeah. and with um, intimacy mm-hmm. in a very non-traditional way and keep the audience experience in mind. Yeah. That sounds like it's a, it's a pretty unique challenge to stage that in a, like anything in a non-specific, like a non, like to, to do it in the round even. Yeah. It's like, you can't just get up and do that. There's too much to think about. Yeah. I mean, it's a play that's kind of, that's written for a traditional theater space, Mm -hmm. you know, with entrances and exits and whatnot. And in, there are inherent challenges in doing a play in, in a site that it wasn't necessarily built for. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but that's where this cool level of artistry comes in Mm -hmm. and all of these really smart and talented collaborators can figure it out. Yeah. 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 What is, what is anywhere about? Um, it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard. (laughs) This is one of the, it's kind of because, because, um, uh, information slowly gets revealed throughout. I Mm, still don't really know what to say about it, but it's, um, uh, so it's about a, a woman who is, um, uh, in town for a conference and is staying at an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she returns uh, from the last night of her conference and the host of the Airbnb has been waiting up for her. Um, she's a single mom. And uh, the night before something weird happened uh, and they slowly kind of try to um, work their way around uh, what went on the night before and how that affects their situation at the mm. moment. And, um, it, uh, it's a, a sort of a tense, um, uh, almost a game mm. of, uh, like advancing and retreating, yeah. um, a, like a real status and, and, uh, mm. A battle for control and, and and status, power over one of the other. Well, you certainly you had me at um, the the Airbnb host is waiting up for her because that's a nightmare. Yeah, just just in itself, like it, yeah, I think you know it's one of the one of the themes that I'm I think have been pretty prevalent in my writing lately is like. Um, a need for connection and an inability to connect Mm. and placing that in the, you know, in these times in which we live where uh, these two strangers would never have encountered one another Mm. were it not for this app, were it not for Airbnb. And uh, for all of that, randomness they find each themselves in a room with one another mm. and within the hour their lives will be completely changed mm. so um that that sort of fascinates me like how mm. how strangers can interact with one another and what <coughs> the the both sort of primal need for yeah. intimacy and connection and just the complete inability to make that happen in a in a comfortable way yeah no we're putting ourselves i mean when you think about it with all the apps and tools that we that we use from from uber to 
lift to um, Foodora and all the the food delivery apps and um, and even Airbnb. We're putting ourselves in the hands of strangers more often than I think people ever did before. And and I don't know that we well I mean yes mm-hmm. we we are always dealing with strangers whether it's a taxi driver or a hotel clerk sure um, but there's some kind of like higher authority above them there's yes. some kind of there's someone that they account to uh, and in this case you if you are staying at someone's Airbnb or staying at a place where you know the experience has been. The, <laughs> you're being welcomed yes. into a home of a stranger. Yeah. Or if you're taking an Uber, you're putting your life in the hands of this guy who's driving a car. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I think that that is is something that I'm I'm interested yeah, in yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, kind of fascinated by. And this I, I this play might make you never want to stay in an Airbnb ever again. I don't know. I mean, uh, have you have you stayed in an Airbnb all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. How do you feel about Airbnbs after after writing this play? Um, it, well, I, I don't think it's gonna. I, I don't think it'll stop me from using it. But <laughs> but I it definitely. Um, I wrote. I, I I got this idea because um, I had done a playwriting exchange when I was in university. Uh, with the University of Central Florida. So mm-hmm. I ended up staying. They put me up with a student um, in Orlando in this mm-hmm. like uh, bungalow apartment. And she and her boyfriend, who was much older, were in the middle of breaking up while oh. I was staying oh. in their space. And um, I've always, and she was, you know, a really kind of fascinating character. And I found myself in the middle of these strangers' lives mm. and um, really kind of just, you know, kept to myself and that was the end of the experience. But in thinking about what this experience could be, you know, yeah. if someone, if you are Airbnb in your place and and their life that's happening tangentially to their home yeah. uh, kind of <clears throat> invades the space that you're supposed to be mm. renting and... Uh, you're forced to really interact with with a stranger. Mm. What <laughs> what do we do? Yeah. Um, so this is uh, so anywhere is um, is is kind of a tense mm. uh, hour between of of um, this this kind of dangerous encounter mm. between these two women. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No. When I've stayed at Airbnbs, I've I've never done the like take a room in somebody's house. I'm always like I want the whole place. Yeah, because well, I, I'm very. You much never like, know what kind of crazy person you're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. But I also like if I'm out and about and I'm doing things. Um, when I come home, yeah, I don't want to have a conversation with somebody. Of course. Okay, if I'm out and I'm in somebody's city and the host is like, you know, I have a room there, they expect some sort of interaction. Uh, I probably. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, if, I yeah. if I if it was my house yeah i mean i probably i don't know that i would i don't know but i it's one of the things like when i'm thinking about touring and i'm thinking oh i'm gonna have to bill it somewhere and then i'm gonna be out and i'm gonna be doing the thing with the show and promoting the show and then i'm gonna go home and they're gonna want to talk to me oh, yeah. and i'm just like 
I'm going to be so spent because I'm, I'm an introvert. So, like, I'm yeah. done at the end of the day, but they're good, you know. So, like, sharing, having to navigate somebody else when I'm on vacation is just something I don't want to do. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess there are people that are up for it. Yeah. That, that are out looking for that kind of experience. Sure. Um, and... It, I, every Airbnb is unique unto that itself, is, I guess. That is certainly true. Um, but yeah, I, mm. I've i stayed in them in the past, but yeah. they've only been, you know, situations where I've had the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, that's anywhere. Yeah. That's the probably all I can say without ruining the I'm super intrigued by it. I'm super intrigued. Um is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to at Fringe this year, aside from these two shows happening? Um, you know, I actually, I don't know a lot of show at the moment. I'm not really sure, but I did hear um, the first, or one of the first read-throughs of Danny Padgett's new play called Prank. Right, right, right. Uh, which is very good. Uh, they've got a pretty solid cast, and um, I like his writing. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of, it's sort of a very intriguing, futuristic nice. idea. Hmm. Um, and what about you? Have you heard of other, have you been doing these interviews? I'm really only just sort of getting started. Okay. Um, I've done, done a couple. Um, and the interesting thing is that, you know, the, the program isn't out yet. Right. And so like people are coming to me with some pitches, but that's, that's all I'm getting. You know, the buzz hasn't really started yet. Right, so right. Nothing is nothing is particularly standing out for me. It's quite early on. Yeah. As we record this, it's early uh, on. Yeah. But, you know, um, it comes up pretty quick. Pretty quick. Yeah. You know. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm very calm at the moment, mm. but in like two weeks, I'm probably going to start getting nervous about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you, did you hang out at the French tent at all last year? In the oh, new location, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I did. I always feel a little weird about the the fringe tent if I don't have a show, mm -hmm. and I know it's supposed to be a place where everybody can go, but I always kind of feel like it's the place where we all talk about our shows. Yeah, and so whenever I don't have something, I feel a little bit weird going to it, and that's me. Yeah, that's but... I I I I think I do like I I'll hang out on the weekends mm. probably. Um, and, yeah, I guess you do end up talking about people's <laughs> shows. Um, it's, uh, I, I definitely, as I've gotten older, have been hanging out there less. Mm. Um, that's probably because my, my, um, t in, my tolerance level has <laughs> gone down significantly. Mm. Um, it... It is a good place to meet people and to yeah. hear about shows. And there are there have been experiences where interactions of the tent have changed my mind mm -hmm. as to what I was going to see. If I, you know, had thought, oh, this show sounds silly. And mm -hmm. someone went, no, it's actually the yeah. coolest thing. Um, so without that type of forum, mm. I would have missed out on those experiences. That's very true. That's um, very true. And talking about... The opportunity to talk about theater, just in general, yeah, isn't something we get to do that often. It really is like the community's mm. like 
<laughs> Passover or uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving, where it's yeah, it feels like like touching base mm. or the family cruise. If, yes, if, yeah. If, if you're lucky or unlucky enough to go on one of those, <laughs> where yeah, it feels like the community is getting together, and it's, yeah. if the weather's nice, um, it it can be. A fun night out. It mm-hmm. can also be a too much fun night out. It certainly can. Yeah, it certainly can. And I think we've all had those. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are those are. <laughs> fine. You want, that's the kind of thing. It's, it's okay to do that once or twice on the weekend. But sometimes I think, like I know, when I was a lot younger, um, it was like the pressure to like go and stay till the fridge tent closes, and then you know do your thing, and then yeah, <laughs> and you always like you know I I do this a lot where I say I'm going to leave and I say goodbye and then I'll move a few feet and, and run into somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then you get kind of trapped having yeah. a fun conversation with that person yeah. and then just going from one fun thing to the next. I the 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 latest. Is actually like when I when I've done, it was Mon- at the Montreal Fringe. Yeah, they have something called the Thirteenth Hour. What's that? It's their their after fringe cabaret talk show oh. thing that happens at one a.m. <laughs> so it goes it goes the that the show happens so every night is the Thirteenth Hour from one until two, okay, or something like that, mm-hmm. midnight till one. Anyway, then after that, there's like a, a dance party that goes until four. Yeah. And then everybody stumbles out and maybe gets some food, and then they go to bed and they wake up at like three and, or something and, like that, and, and go and do their mime shows. And they go do their shows. Um, it's, like, it's Montreal insane. is so cool. <laughs> uh, we all have jobs here, though, or not? We don't all have jobs. No, it's but like early mornings. That's I. I really. This is. Um, I, I'm starting to feel older <laughs> and um, uh, thinking about th- that fringe schedule mm. of like working mm-hmm. working during the day and then running to either a rehearsal or to yeah. set up a performance and then drinking all night and doing it all over again. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as spry as no. I used to be, yeah. um, but it's. Uh, it's really my favorite time of year. So it's kind of like theater Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's my favorite. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope I get to see stuff. Mm. Um, that's 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 a- the that's always the trick is like especially if you work is like yeah trying to see as much as you can while also balancing um, the day job and things like that. Yeah, you end up having a lot of late nights. Yes. Yeah. Or. You know, oh, I'm not going to make it to that show because I have to work tomorrow. But the schedule just doesn't work out. Like all of those dilemmas that sometimes <sighs> pop up. And it's tough being an adult. It's yeah, <laughs> responsibility. Responsibility. Who would have? Oh my god! I thought it was supposed to be fun. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for uh, for for talking with me. Thanks today. for having me. This has been a Homebody Productions production.